5, we'll do the first six verses, and then uh, uh, about nine verses from 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. <clears throat> For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. And then to Second Thessalonians. We'll start with verse 3. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. This is the evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering, since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless to us these readings from his holy word. Well, here at City Temple, we always love to be able to pray for sick people and, uh, and see what God will do, see how God will work in people's lives, how God will heal. Uh, I remember a story a number of years ago. Uh, one of the favorite things I've seen the Lord do it was in our last church. And some members of the church, they were pregnant with, I think, their sixth child. And they had gone to the doctor, and the doctor had done a scan and things like that and said, we're sorry to tell you, your child has spina bifida and probably will be born with serious brain damage uh, and probably won't survive. And so we highly recommend that you go ahead and have an abortion. Uh, and so in, and they res resisted that completely. And they, they rang us up and said, can you come and pray? And so we came over and we prayed with them. And uh, we prayed for the healing of this child in the womb. And uh, a number of months later, the child was born completely healthy. And the one thing, though, if you know, uh, a child with spina bifida will often have an indentation. Uh, the indentation was still there. So it was a demonstration that something 
had been there and the Lord had moved and had worked and it's something for which we give glory to God uh, all the time. And seeing these kinds of things, now that's not every day that you see a miracle of that magnitude, but actually God is in the business of doing these things. And we see it all the time. The problem is that so often... What we see today, what we read about or maybe uh, see on YouTube or or, or hear about, so often these kinds of things, uh, they involve people that you look at and you say, okay, they're really strange. I mean, they're doing really strange stuff. Uh, they're, they're yelling or screaming in some way uh, as if somehow, you know, if you're louder that somehow God needs your, your God has hearing aids. So if you don't speak loud enough, you know, God won't heal you. Uh, and there's all kinds of crazy things that go on. And the problem is that so often what happens is, is that people begin to call attention to themselves. So many of the things that I've seen and so many of the healing ministries that I've seen over the years uh, and the people that believe in faith and they, they believe in the power of God to do things, that so often they start out in a good place, but after a time, it seems like the focus is on themselves. We were with a, a ministry recently where uh, the person kept referring, uh, was prophesying, kept saying, well, you know, I, you know, I haven't been here, but I'm saying this and I haven't saying this. And what they were doing, they were calling attention to themselves not calling attention to Jesus, not directing attention to Jesus and what Jesus does and how Jesus moves. And because of that, so often people can tend to back away from this, back away from the movement of God's Spirit, back away from exercising their faith, back away from expecting and believing God to do amazing, mighty things, or they can begin to think, well, it's the responsibility of some big, powerful person on the platform, somebody who has a book or has made a lot of money or who's wearing the right clothes or has the right entourage or the right worship band, but it's not the ability of just normal people to do these kinds of things. And nothing can be further from the truth. God empowers us all with his Holy Spirit to continue the works of Jesus Christ in the world today. Every single one of us is empowered by the Holy Spirit by virtue of the fact that we're Christians. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And he wants to move in us and he wants to move through us. But in order for that to happen... We have to be living by faith. We have to be walking by faith. And we've been talking about this, and I've given you the definition, and I hope you'll you'll just keep hearing this and keep remembering it. Christian faith is choosing to trust and act based on a true knowledge of God and God's ways founded in relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Christian faith is choosing to trust and to act. And so often what ends up happening, because we think that it has to be some superstar doing the stuff, that we will trust God, but we don't always act on the basis of that trust. But we need to trust and to act. We must trust and act. We need to do something. And whatever we do is often beyond our natural abilities. And this is the cool thing. 
and what God does. It's often beyond our natural abilities, but it has to be based on a true knowledge of who God is and a true knowledge of God's ways that come from the Word of God. That's how we find out the true knowledge of God's will, of who God is and, and God's ways. It's through the Bible, through seeing how God interacts with people, see how God has done the stuff throughout the centuries, we learn who God really is and how God wants us to act. So we need to trust, we need to act as well. But then we struggle to say, okay, how can we possibly do this? How, how do we act? What's the, what's the basis on which we can act? We can do something. We can exercise our faith. What's the foundation for it? Well, Paul in Galatians is telling us some important things. And I think Paul would tell us that there are at least a, two foundations that uh, are not a basis for acting in faith. And, but you see this all the time. The first, I would say, is a sense of religious obligation. There are a lot of people who live not by faith, but by some sort of religious obligation. In the Galatians' time, uh, they were wondering, should we be like Jews? I mean, should we continue to practice Judaism? Should we continue to do the stuff of Judaism, like getting circumcised and things like that? And there, was a, a, there were a number of people in the church in Galatia that were saying, absolutely. In fact, if you don't behave like a Jew, you can't really be a Christian. Those two things are completely interconnected. Sorry about that. It's terrible. It was 100% when we started today. But I told you, there's a lot of warfare here. So religious obligations get you nowhere. There are some people that pray because they think, well, this is what I have to do. You know, if I don't pray, I won't be pleasing to God. If I don't pray... You know, I, 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 somehow I'm not really a Christian. Somehow I'm not really a follower of Jesus. And so they wrestle with that. There are other people that, you know, have the feeling, well, if I don't go to church, you know, that, that I'm not doing the right thing. Uh, and so often it's religion that drives us and our interaction and, and our life more so than acting out of faith. Religion is not a basis. Religion is never a basis for our life as Christians. Even though there's nothing wrong necessarily with religion. I mean, the problem is that sometimes we just misunderstand this. We think religion is the be-all and end-all. Uh, but religion is only, only good when it's about genuine relationship. Uh, for example, Karen and I are very religious. Uh, we practice uh, a ritual every single day. Uh, she sleeps on the left-hand side of the bed. I sleep on the right-hand side of the bed. Now, that's a very religious thing. Uh, if, I ever slept, if I ever laid down on the left-hand side of the bed, she'd come and say, what are you doing on my side of the bed? Uh, sometimes at night, when she's reading, 
because another thing, she tends to go to bed slightly before I do. So sometimes she's reading, she reads, and she's lying on my side of the bed. You know, the, the iPad's on my side of the bed. Then I start feeling like, well, maybe she's rejecting me. You know, maybe that's a subtle sign that I shouldn't be coming to bed anytime soon. And, of course, that's not. Uh, not a sign of that at all. Uh, but, you know, you, these things pop into your mind. It's because we're religious people. You know, so, so every relationship has to have ritual. Every relationship has to have a certain degree of religion. But it's when you start feeling that that religion, the stuff that you're doing, is what actually makes the relationship. That I'm right because of my religion. I'm right because I lie on the left, uh, right side of the bed instead of the left side of the bed. That's what makes me right, or that's what makes our marriage healthy. It has nothing to do with the health of our marriage. If, uh, you know, we needed to shift the sides of beds, we could do that and still have a very healthy marriage. Understand that. So religion is not a foundation for our action. It's not a foundation for doing what we need to do. Also, the hope of our salvation is not a foundation. Paul is saying to the Galatians, hey, we have the hope. We have the hope of this righteousness. We have the hope of what God is going to do for us. We have that hope. And there are a lot of people who either they're, they're religious in what they do, or they're doing it because somehow they think, well, this is what gives me my hope. This is what really makes me the person that, that I'm going to be. And that's not a foundation. In fact, Paul says that, you know, circumcision, uncircumcision, all this stuff doesn't count for anything in the way that you live your life. And remember, the context here is that for freedom, Christ has set us free. So we are to live as free people. We are to live in freedom. But what counts as we live in freedom? What, what is the key thing? How do we exercise our faith? Paul says what really matters is faith working through love. Faith working through love. If we try to pray for the sick because we think it's a religious duty, then many times we won't see people get sick, uh, people get healed. If we try to pray for the sick, say, or exercise our faith or live by faith because we think it's going to get us into heaven, that won't be effective either. If we try to live by faith because we feel like it makes us important, it calls attention to us, we feel good about ourselves. Because frankly, if you're praying for the sick and you see enough sick people get healed, it's a, there's a rush about that. It's really cool. It's something to celebrate. Or if you're sharing, your, you're sharing your faith with a coworker and they come to faith in Jesus Christ, I mean, there's a good feeling about that. Or if God gives you a prophetic word and you share that word with somebody and it really builds them up and they say, wow, you know, how, this must have been God because I was just in my prayer closet this morning in my personal time of prayer. I asked God for this and now you just delivered what I asked God to deliver. I mean, that is very, very exciting, and it can be very intoxicating, but that is not the focus, that is not the purpose, that is not the foundation for our exercise of faith. We exercise faith for the purpose of love. What really counts, according to Paul, is faith working itself through love. 
Faith expressing itself through love. Now, what is love here? It's not some emotional gobbledygook. Love here is a zealous, self-giving commitment to others for their benefit. So love is intensely focused on the other. Love is not focused on yourself. To the degree that you're focusing on yourself, you cannot be acting in love. And therefore, that's why we have so many problems in some ministry, whether it's praying for people or witnessing to people or prophesying. So often, it's not focused on the other person. I've known a number of people who prayed for the sick because they were focusing on themselves. You know, if you do it out of a religious obligation, you're focusing on yourself. If you do it because you, you think it's going to somehow uh, get you into heaven or confirm your salvation, you're doing it for yourself. And I know a lot of people who end up doing it for themselves, and then when it doesn't work, what do they do? They blame other people. Most of the time, when people have said they prayed for people, and then they say, well, you didn't get healed because you lack faith, that in and of itself is a sign that you're not really loving the person. You're just trying to attack the person to justify why something didn't happen. What really counts, according to Paul, is faith working itself through love. So when you're praying for a sick person, the focus is on the sick person getting well. You want God's best for that person. It doesn't matter if God uses you to heal the person or not. And if it does, then that's a sign to you that there was an issue. I remember a number of years ago, I had a, a very good friend in ministry whose wife was dealing with some demonic issues. And, uh, and I prayed for a little bit, and she never really got healed. Uh, and then he went into another ministry, and, and through that ministry, she got healed. And I remember at the time, this is quite a number of years ago, I remember at the time feeling a little bit jealous. It's like, well, why didn't she get healed with me? And then all of a sudden, ding, 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 ding. Well, maybe, Rod, it's because it's not about you. It's about her. And when the time is right for her, and what was best for her. And so it's very, very subtle and very, very seductive. And so when we're praying for a sick person, we need to be focusing on what's best for that person. I know some people who who believe in deliverance ministry, as we do here, uh, and they're ministering to somebody, and it's all about playing with the demon. You know, it's like the, I, I kept, keep expecting them to say, well, here, you know, demon, do a little backflip through this hoop. Uh, and it's just all kinds of weird stuff that goes on. And we say, no, that's not the deal. We're not about playing with demons. That's not why we deliver. We're not delivering demons. We're actually setting people free. It's for their benefit, not the demon's benefit. It's focusing on them. It's loving them. What about sharing your faith? So often, people don't respond when we share the gospel, not because they're not interested in the gospel. Many people don't respond because they feel like Christians are trying to get a notch in their belt. And it's all about how can I drive this person into the kingdom rather than how can I discern their point of need, the cry of their heart, and then show them how Jesus meets that. Show them how Jesus connects with that. 
And if we're not sharing our faith because we genuinely love the person we're sharing the good news with, then many times faith will not be active in that moment. And that goes, it's layer after layer in our lives. So the key issue here is faith working itself out through love. We need to act. We need to do something if we have faith. We must trust and act, and it's a choice that you do. And by the way, God doesn't always give you the faith before you make the decision. Sometimes God gives you the faith as you make the decision, and sometimes God gives you the faith after you make the decision. Just as a side note. But you focus on the other person, and you say, God, how do you want to show your love to this person, and how can I show my love for this person to your honor and praise? So faith working itself through love is what really counts according to God. But that's not it. That's not all. Because we can have love, but there's something else that we need as well. And there's something else that often really only comes in the presence of love. And that is the power of God. And that's what Paul's talking about to the Thessalonians. And notice how at the beginning of that passage, what he says, he says, hey guys, everybody around the world knows about your faith, your faith is growing, and your love. They know the faith and the love. Notice how for them it was going together. And then he talked about to encourage them through their suffering. He says, hang on in there. It's really great that you're persevering. Don't worry. God is going to deal with this mess when Jesus Christ comes again. So you don't have anything to worry about yourselves. God will get vengeance. He will deal with the situation. Just know that God is going to preserve you and care for you. And so be confident in the future that God has for you, a future that is not defined by your present suffering. It's not defined by your present difficulties. And then he goes into this, this latter couple of verses, the last couple of verses that we read, and he starts out, you know, may God make you worthy of his calling. Now this word may here is very important. What is Paul doing here? When he uses the word may... Paul is not saying, oh, I really, really hope that God does this. You know, I'm not sure if he's going to do it, but I really hope that he does it. It's a bit like if you, if you said, Rod, uh, uh, I really would like you to talk, uh, give me a call this week. And I say, well, I may have time to do that. And what am I saying to you? I'm saying, well, yeah, I might have some time, but really don't count on it because I don't love you that much. No, I'm not saying that. Just want to make sure you're paying attention. Uh, It's not that kind of may. When Paul uses the word may, it's in the sense of a blessing. It's in the sense of an apostolic pronouncement. Now, there is power in blessing. There's a real power in blessing. And that's what Paul is doing here. He's not saying, I hope that God will do this. He's not saying, I I think that God might want to do it, but I'm not sure. He's actually saying, I'm confident that God does this, and so it's going to be true for you. I'm releasing this blessing on you. 
And so what does he say to him? He says, may God make you worthy of his calling. So he's saying, God is using, he's working through you. You are worthy of his calling. No, understand it. You don't have to do anything to be worthy of his calling because God himself is making you worthy of his calling. Again, notice the echo back uh, into Galatians, the passage we read in Galatians. It's not about religious obligation. It's not about us doing stuff for our salvation. It's what God is doing and what God has done through Jesus Christ in his death on, on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, and that we are saved by grace through faith. So once we're saved by grace through faith, God is determined to make us worthy of that calling. And God is working in us to do that, just as God is working in the Thessalonians to do that. God is making us worthy of his calling. So he's saying, essentially, you don't have to work for this. God is making you worthy of his calling. So this is not about your calling, the next bit that he's going to say. And then he says, and may God fulfill every intention for good and every work of faith by his power. May God fulfill every intention for good and every work of faith by his power. And there's two things that happen as we're, we're at work in the world as Christians. As we go to work tomorrow, uh, as you interact with people on the, on the bus, on the tube, uh, as you interact with people in the coffee shop, there's two kinds of dynamics we do as Christians. One is we have intentions to do good. And God gives us freedom to do good to people. That's one of our big callings as Christians. In any situation, we should be looking to do good. What is going to bring the maximum benefit? What is going to really help people? What will really be doing good to people? And you have freedom if you see something good to do just to do it. Sometimes we think, oh God, you know, should I say a blessing to my coworker? Well, God's given us the ability to bless people, so just bless somebody. Encourage somebody. Don't, don't you know, say, God, is your, your will that I encourage somebody. You know that it's God's will to encourage people. So just encourage them. Build them up. Do stuff by good. Just choose to do good things. Choose to do good things. And then the second thing that he's talking about as we go around, as we go about living our lives by faith as Christians, is works of faith. Now, a work of faith is different than a choice to do good. A work of faith is something that you know inherently you cannot do just of your own power. If I'm going to pray for a sick person, I know that I, I'm not the person that's going to make them well. If I'm going to share my faith with somebody, I know that it's not how good I share my faith that determines whether or not they respond. Something else has to happen there. Their hearts have to be softened. If I'm going to, you know, as, even as a, a pastor, if I'm going to teach something or preach something, I know that it's just not going to be me sitting down and thinking up good ideas to say, I need God to do something. And so every week I walk up and I stand up here by faith that God is going to say something that's meaningful to you. And it's by faith. You know, sometimes I, I get up and I say, well, I don't, I don't know if I've said anything worthwhile. And usually that's the time when God really works. You know, it's, it's really the times when I say, whoa, that was a really good sermon that everybody's like, oh, I'm so bored today. 
but I'll get through it. But the point here is this. All of these things that we do that we know instinctively we just can't do on our own, they are works of faith. They are works of faith. And we are called as believers in Jesus to do good things, to intend to do good and do it, and to try to do works of faith. But if either of those things is to have a real impact in people's lives, we need God's power. And the word fulfill here, uh, may God fulfill every intent for good and uh, every work of faith by his power. The word fulfill is the same word we talk about when we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we need God to fill our good intentions and our works of faith with his Holy Spirit so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, they accomplish everything that God wants for them. That's what we need to happen. But notice again, what Paul is praying here is not that we go with, oh, well, I might want to do this work of faith, but I don't know if God's got my back. That's not what Paul's praying. When he says, may God do this, he's he's giving us a blessing and giving us the assurance that as we do good things, And as we do works of faith, that God will meet us with his power to make them effective. Now, does that mean that every time we pray for a sick person, they're healed? No. There's a lot of factors that come on. But we can be confident that every time we pray, God's power is there. Every time we seek to do good, we do it by the power of God. And we can be confident that God is working. And we can be confident that as we step out in faith, God will fill us with his Holy Spirit, fill us with his power to accomplish everything that he intends to do. So what really matters is faith working itself out through love, a genuine focus on other people. And when there's this faith working itself out through love, God will come by his power and support that and enable that to accomplish everything that he desires. And in the end, we always have to remember it's never about us. It's never about us. When we exercise our faith In our day-to-day lives, it must always be about the other. The person that we're serving, the person that we're blessing, the person that we're ministering to. It's always about the other. And, even more importantly, it's all about Jesus. As Paul said, the reason that God will do this is so that Jesus Christ might receive all the glory. And that's his intention in your life to bring glory to his son, Jesus Christ. So let us live by faith. Let us walk by faith. And let us remember that as our faith works itself out through love for others, God will meet us at that point in his power, the power of his spirit, to bring glory to Jesus. Father God, I pray that you would show us 
even over this next day or so. Show us good things to do to bless others. Show us works of faith to step out in. And let us see you meet us there. Let us see you meet us there in power. All for the sake of Jesus. Jesus, we want you to receive glory, honor, and praise. Jesus, we want you to receive everything that you are due. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and fill us up afresh and anew. Come, Holy Spirit. And let every good intention of ours and every work of faith accomplish something by your power to the glory of Jesus. We love you, we worship you, we honor you, and we adore you. And we pray all this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.